So therefore, be proud to be a decent American rather than be just a wanker whipping up fear. Because you're supposed to tackle people, you're supposed to hit people at pace and hit them hard as part of the game. It's not chess we're playing. I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. The double champ does what the f he wants. Hello everybody and welcome along to chapter 95 of What's the Story Podcast. My name is Danny Murray. I am Graham Merrigan. Graham Merrill Merrigan. Graham Merrill Merrigan. Just in case anybody was listening, they were like, Graham Merrigan? Never heard him. Never heard him. Until you put the Merrow in, people don't know who you are. Yeah. It's an identity AKA. crisis. Um, yeah, this is chapter 95 of What's the Story Podcast. We're coming to you from Fitzpatrick Castle Hotel. Check out FitzpatrickCastle.com. Our guest this week, if the last 10 minutes of just waffle have been out to go away, this is going to be a good one. Uh, Rory McKiernan, how are you? I'm mighty. How are you? Great, man. Great. Um, <laughs> bank holiday. After bank holiday, I'd be all over the gaff. Yeah. I, t- I tend to struggle to know what day it is after yeah. bank holiday. I missed the meeting. <laughs> yeah, I got a text Great. message uh, the morning after bank holiday saying, where are you? No <laughs> Which is slightly embarrassing, or very embarrassing. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Oh my god! But it, it was kind of excusable because I was in prison the night before, uh, which is true. Um, right I was then. in Kilmainham Jail actually for uh, an event, uh, part of that Crinia Nikoska. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, a friend of mine called Cathy Scott put it on. It was called uh, Searsha, and um, there was a whole load of speakers uh, speaking about the theme of freedom. Uh, mostly Irish, but an American, couple of Americans, Zimbabwean, Syrian woman, um, an English guy, and uh, yeah, it was in a prison where 150,000 Irish people have were imprisoned yeah. over a couple of hundred years. 150,000. I didn't know that was the number. That's yeah, that's over a, a couple of hundred years. Yeah, so yeah, it's a, it's a big. Uh, it was it was quite a, a profound event and lots of music. And um, have you ever done the Kamaiam Jail tour? I have, yeah, yeah. It's, it's very it's, sad. It's, well. it's very sad indeed. Yeah, and it's powerful and yeah. Well, Irish history is very sad in general. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure there's lots of happy bits to it too, but a lot <laughs> of it is sad. But I remember doing the tour and um, going out to the 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 court the courtyard. It's where James Connolly um, was persecuted. Yeah. Jesus, persecuted, persecuted, shot, shot. What was I meant to say? Yeah. You've got Jesus on the yeah, brain, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Executed, Execute, that's what I meant. Yeah. Persecuted. <laughs> Jesus whipped. Um, but I remember, because I did it with a tour guide, and I remember there was more than one occasion where the eyes are starting to sweat. It's like, Jesus whipped. There's a feeling in there that's real haunting or something. Yeah. And you kind of, when you're listening to the tour guide, you're kind of going, Jesus, that's actually what happened right here yeah, in this yeah. specific spot. And th- that's actually what Cathy was trying to do with the event. It took her a couple of years to organise because they don't usually host events like that in there. But she was trying to put on something very creative, something very powerful to almost heal the ghosts of the place. Oh, wow. Yeah, and, and bring some light to the, to the misery of the place. <laughs> and uh, some kind of also have a, a rally cry for freedom for the modern world, for the different issues. Like what? Oh, take your pick of yeah. the different issues. But uh, like the Zimbabwean guy had to flee Zimbabwe. Um, there was a black American guy there talking about 
uh, the racism and injustice being faced by a lot of black people. Um, there was a woman there who'd spent 17 years on death row, or 17 years in prison, a woman called Sonny Jacobs. Um, you know, then there's the freedom of your mind. Uh, there was people talking about, you know, the imprison, how, how people can imprison themselves in fear or depression or anxiety and right. there's all sorts of like themes. keeping stuff locked in like yeah 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 so there's all sorts of it was people working off the theme of freedom so lynn ruan was there you know oh, the, she's brilliant the senator and uh she she chose a very interesting approach she didn't use her own voice and instead she used um she consulted with the, her constituency her community and read out posts that she'd received on Facebook and DMs from Twitter um, about things that had happened in Tala and the area in the last week. So, like, some violence, some addiction issues around addiction and crime, and the different types of injustices or lack of freedom that goes on. So everyone took a whole different approach on it. Wow. And, you know, it was just a really interesting night. She had a great... Um, I didn't get to it, but she organised... Was her that organised the Tala Talks? She did. She was involved yeah. in it anyway. I don't know. If, yeah. yeah, she was definitely one. That of looked them. like that would have been an interesting event. Yeah, yeah, and I, I know you guys are doing an event soon as well. Mm. And I, I can see that there's a big trend going on for events. And I know, I know there's lots of independent media going on, which is a great trend as well. Um, but events are great too because they get people off the internet basically. Because yeah. we're all loving the internet. But I think we're spending too much time on it. Yeah, there's that kind of craving some, that we all have to catch up with each other. And some of us love the internet a little bit too much. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> You're, you have to explain you're pointing at someone there. No, <laughs> it's not me. No, no, no. Somebody, somebody loves the internet way too much, man. No, Do I? No, 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 man. No, 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 man. No. He won't just say no. it, will he? No. Here, I'm not getting involved as a therapist in your relationship, lads. That's, that's not why I'm here. Really, that's actually why you're here. That is. The only right, reason. okay, okay. Where, where did you first meet, anyway? Yeah, the, the only reason that we do this is to have somebody come in and have an intervention for the CT, yeah. to be honest uh, with you. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Like, you know There's I mean? actually an interesting piece in the Irish Times about... Um, I can't remember who wrote it, but basically it was saying... Um, the author was saying about her use of Snapchat. She was kind of adding up the minutes a day, and there was right. one kind of part of the day where she spent forty minutes procrastinating over something she atten- intended to do, but she spent forty minutes looking what, what Kim Kardashian was doing on Snapchat with her kids, or uh, Jennifer Aniston, or she was like, "What am I doing? I'm looking at people I don't really care about. I don't know, but I'm watching them getting their lunch ready, and I'm delaying." getting my lunch ready to watch them get their lunch ready yeah in other words you're watching someone else living their life and not living yeah. yours and not living your own it's mental isn't it I do think that's that's a huge thing that's going on at the moment is that people are they're they're not even living vicariously through others they're literally just watching and then saying imagine having that imagine doing that and it's kind of like stop mm. imagining go out and create your own crack like do you know what I mean yeah yeah it's madness man madness which is what you're doing, what your podcast and, and, and other people are doing. And I've, I've, I've joined the podcast party as well. I have a yes. podcast ready to launch, but uh, I can't get time to launch it. <laughs> uh, oh, you have a podcast ready to launch? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I've, wow. I've uh, 14 episodes ready. Yeah, 14 yeah. episodes ready? Yeah, they're one hour interviews. Yeah. Um, Amazing. One of whom is with 
that lady I mentioned, Sonny Jacobs, uh, Brilliant. who spent 17 year, years in prison. So, How have you recorded 14 episodes on No One Hasn't Gone Like It? I've been working on it for months. but Unbelievable. I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's, it's, it's kind of like a hobby, you know, the same way maybe you started this. Yeah, um, absolutely. But yeah, yeah, more or less. Yeah. I think, like, it was born partially out of the fact that I get to meet really incredible people in the course of my work and life. And I feel really blessed and privileged about that. Mm. Um, and I wanted to kind of share some of those conversations with people yeah. and go, listen to them, they're amazing, you know. Yeah. And... Also, the fact that I'm really frustrated with radio. I, I love the medium of radio, but it's just full of ads and full of superficial yeah. crap, you know? I don't mind that there's some just crap on the radio. Sometimes you just want a bit of chewing gum, you want a bit of music, mm. that's cool. But I actually love just good radio, yeah. uh, good interviews, good voices. Um, you don't really get that anymore on radio, though. Well, Irish radio in particular. So mm. I started listening to a lot of NPR and BBC and stuff. But then yeah. I want Irish as well. Mm. So I was like, well, I'll just make me own. But that's and that's the beauty of it. The, yeah. That now, in the modern age, with all these fancy things, such as what we're using to record this, that's way smarter than I'll ever be. And <laughs> all the, the digital age just means that anybody can. It's I mean, totally doable. Yeah, I bought a Zoom yeah. recorder for 240 quid. Yeah. Now, I know that's... Not everyone has 240 quid, but, you know, concerts cost 60 quid these days and football yeah. matches. And, like, for me, that's a podcast. It's a hobby in a way. Um, but for someone else, it might be something else. Go and make something, you know? Yeah, that's yeah. It. absolutely. That's the buzz, like, and, yeah. and that's what I'm trying to impart yeah. through the message of the podcast. That It's called Love, Love and Courage. And the idea behind it is that all of these people that I feel uh, stand for a kind of the values of love in a world where there's too much misery and hate but they're also courageous people they've all gone and done something with their lives they're a lot of them are quite older as well mm. um and i'd love the listener to come away and go jesus what can i do yeah, yeah. see the beauty of having 48 episodes as well though is that if you bash all them up at once man people will just go from one to the other to the other almost, well, like, almost they might like, if they like them but they will, <laughs> they they will. will. have yeah. faith it's like binge, binge watching on Netflix. Only with a, like mm. you will find that, and that'll help. Then, especially with the hour. Yeah, you don't want to like. If I'm listening to Joe Rogan's podcast, which is about three or four hours, it'll be over three or four sentences. Yeah, it's three know? or four hours. Yeah, Joe Rogan. Oh, yeah, he yeah. does it live on YouTube. Have you heard of Joe Rogan? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He does it. Um, he does it live on YouTube. He does he does he do all episodes live on YouTube? Uh, as far as I know, he does anyway. Yeah. He, uh, so I watch it. I don't watch it live on YouTube, but I would watch his podcast interview on YouTube in his little makeshift studio. But it's that tr- that is not a makeshift studio, man. Tr- that is a studio. Oh, that is a custom built. He's like, just pretending oh, he's slumming it, is he? Yeah, oh, yeah. Like he makes more from his podcast than he does. Oh, I well believe it, yeah. But, but it's like you guys three to have four a good hours. rig here. You've got the sauna there. You've got the jacuzzi. Mm-hmm. Do you know, you've did got you the dancers, your, did the bring full bar. Did you bring yeah? <laughs> no. No, I thought I'd grind my lens one, don't we? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm good. For I can't wait for the jacuzzi <laughs> later. That's it, man. That's we actually it. have the jacuzzi downstairs. <laughs> yeah. it was Adam Bork that hopped in with us that week, wasn't Yeah. <laughs> Look, I, I didn't get informed about any of this jacuzzi business <laughs> before this. <laughs> we like to catch people off guard, you know? <laughs> We'll, well, look, uh, the fact that you're doing a, a, a nude podcast, <laughs> I, I think, like, full respect to us. And I really admire people who try different things. You That's know, it. you only live once. Whatever you might be, like, your bits roam free. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> you know uh, the podcast Love and Courage that you'll eventually release is that is that separate to the Lust for Life stuff and the Spawn Out and yeah yeah it's, it's a totally new project and I think pretty much all my life I, I like creating new projects yeah and, and then quite often I move on to the next one and you, they, they all kind of based around mental health and their kind of direction and thoughts and stuff like that um I guess, yeah, mental health. I've kind of struggled with that even term recently. Okay. Uh, you know, what is mental health? I don't know, maybe I'm just getting bored uh, because I've been working that area for a good while now. What got you into it? Um, um, what got me into it? Um, I don't know, I studied business at university, which was a total accident. Um, it's, I fell into university, fell into college. A lot of Irish people do. You're 17, you don't really know what the crack is necessarily. Yeah. Um, boozed a lot um, but did a placement as part of my degree where I worked for multinational wore a suit and tie realised pretty soon that that was not for me and went travelling around the world and worked for a few more corporations and could see where the corporate thing was at and of course we need business in the world we need smart people to make great products provide great services um, and I used all the techno- technological gadgets that corporations provide um, but I could see too that there was an in- imbalance in the world that there was maybe too much focus on the corporate and too much corporate power particularly in the political and democratic arena and so I was very interested then in where's the power in the community to counterbalance that and what's happening with the environment and that kind of thing so I suppose that kind of led me into getting involved in social activism all right. and uh, I, I ended up joining all sorts of protests about all sorts of things did that for a few years and then realised I need to build something myself and not just be given out all the time. Yeah. So uh, I, through a whole range of circumstances, ended up starting a youth organisation called Spun Out and that was 12 years ago. Wow, 12 years ago? Yeah, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. I, I remember hearing about Sp- Spun Out and thinking it was only in its, in its infancy about four or five years ago. Yeah, it's well, 12 years. I guess, uh, yeah, yeah, it's 12 years old, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And what does, sp- uh, just tell us what the spun yeah, out Yeah, so uh, the idea was that um, the internet, like 12 years ago, the internet still wasn't fully, obviously, as big as it is now. And um, Dial-up connection. Yeah, yeah. Do, 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 Actually, do, 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 do. we started spun out on a dial-up connection. <laughs> I love I'm not it. joking you. And uh, in, in, on the Leitrim-Donegal border, of all places, working <laughs> from home, and... Uh, yeah, we just wanted to do, I uh, worked with a, a bunch of friends and uh, friends, other people that worked in the health services and youth, youth work, youth organisations. And um, we just felt that young people weren't getting the right information about all sorts of things, um, particularly sexual health, um, because Ireland has always struggled with sex for cultural or religious reasons. And... And still, and sadly, this is 12 years later, it's still kind of the case that they're not getting proper sex education in schools or any yeah. sex education. And because parents never had it too properly, quite often there's a lot of awkwardness around that. So that just leaves a lot of young people to the mercy of the internet. And obviously, you know, there's good stuff on the internet, but there's some very dark stuff on mm-hmm. it as well. And uh, I'd feel strongly about what younger folk get exposed to and try and usher them into you know healthy ways of looking at the world and particularly where it concerns porn uh like porn is something that you know 
it's pretty much mainstream. Like, there's no point in denying it. It is mainstream. All yeah. the stats Even, will show you that. I'm not anti-porn by any means, but what I am anti is, like, um, women getting abused. Yeah. And um, because I have a mother, a wife, a sister, and lots of female friends, and I care about human beings. I don't want them to that's, be abused. That's the side of it, though, that people don't ever... Think about. We, like, we had Emily Power-Smith, um, sexologist, on before, and she was saying that, like... If you have a healthy relationship with porn and you have an understanding of whatever and you know what you're getting is safe, whatever. But the problem is that she's saying that people have addictions without even realising their addictions and like that leads to you seeking out darker. And and yeah, I, I think sex education at an early age is vital to kind of intercept that because... You go on the internet now and it's everywhere. You can't, like, I mean, the internet's probably 95% porn, 5% actual, you know, useful things as well. Like, yeah. I mean, it's insane, like, how easily accessed it is. Like, am I over 18? Anybody's going to click, yeah, do you know yeah, what exactly, I mean? It doesn't yeah. matter what age you are. So, like... So, how, how, how did Spun Out help with that? Yeah, like, uh, probably just working with young folk to come up with um, factual information as to what, what life is all about. And in terms of healthy, what is a healthy relationship? How how we should treat each other right? The basics, really. So, yeah. you, are, were you were you doing stuff that schools should be doing? I, I, yeah, partially. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and now and now schools use spun out as a teaching resource. Oh, um, wonderful! But but a lot of content's written by young people, created with young people, um, and mental health's a big part of that. So suicide was and sadly still is a major issue, particularly with young folk, particularly with young men. And so one of the reasons of that is that younger men quite often don't have the literacy uh, or feel that they have the safe spaces to communicate about their emotions and stuff. So um, we're trying to kind of create a culture and a platform for younger folk to dialogue with each other. Um, so it was mental health, sexual health, and then a bit of politics, a bit of travel, work, education, just like a life centre for young people in a way. When you say that young men don't have the literacy... Like just, they want to talk about it, but they don't have the words to talk well, about. Well, I would say they often don't, because because they don't want to generalize that. Right. Like, because mm. younger guys are are cultures change. I think a lot of younger lads are well on it. Like they're seriously with the program now, and they're you know they're opening up in a way that maybe their parents or grandparents didn't. And mm. um, but you know the tradition is that um, men quite often it's you know boys don't cry. That's what it comes yeah. down yeah. to and boys do cry and, and they quite often don't tell anyone they're crying and then they end up dying yeah. um, so we want to kind of open up get rid of that kind of trend yeah and go like look I don't know you lads but I know you face problems in your lives and I, I know you face sadness in your lives I know you face grief in your lives and we want to be able to like talk to each other about the reality of life and quite often women are just that bit better at that for yeah. all sorts of different reasons and so you, we know, like those of us that drink, um, know that quite often these conversations happen at one in the morning, you know, when you go, oh man, like, I'm sorry that you lost your dad or whatever it is. Um, but wouldn't it be nice if you could have that conversation at like 6pm yeah. when you're sober and help your mate out and just open up a kind of normalcy around that kind yeah. of emotional side of life, mm. which is just part of life. We, we do have a, a tendency the Irish to be a little bit emotionally stunted I find especially with things like that like 
I mean, I couldn't tell you the amount of funerals I've been to. And you do that bit at the end where you walk up and you shake their hand and you're like, I'm sorry for your loss. But I mean, like, beyond that, what do you say? Nobody, you must hear that about 400 times at a funeral, like. And it is that whole thing of just even, rather than saying I'm sorry for your loss, just going, are you all right? Do you know what I mean? Even just asking, are you okay? Like, that, break that kind of mold and that. And yeah, I think um, we're getting better. But are we getting better? I think we are. I, I think so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, because it's funny because we had um, John Connors on yeah, yeah. Uh, last year and he was mentioning about, um, you were talking there about the, the, the young people and young men and stuff like that, but, you know, he was saying that the young people in the travelling community, particularly, say, men who are gay, they literally don't have a hope because... Their fathers, they don't like they they they're keeping it inside. <laughs> they don't want to tell anyone because their perception is real old school kind of. Nah, you couldn't be, you know, you can't be, and so they they have it locked in, and then their only option is suicide. Their only option is to end it because they don't want to face it. They don't want to talk about it. the percentages in the traveler community are t- crazy as well. Is that not something though that you know? Not just within traveller culture, but within a wider culture that we need 100%, to help with. Yeah, that, but, like, um, that everybody needs to look at and say, like, that's not your only option. Yeah, yeah, 100%. You know? But there seems to be, like Rory was saying there, um, we're kind of, uh, we're getting better at it, yeah. kind of, as a culture. But I just wonder, with the travelling community, will they be kind of just left behind a bit? In kind of not even left behind is the wrong phrase, but will kind of say the macho kind of stereotypical um, man will that not will that age out as quick as it seems to be aging out in our kind of society? Is what I mean. I, I think so. Like, Do you get what I, I mean? Yeah, yeah, I saw John's John made a couple of documentaries, and I, I saw one of them where he was addressing that very issue. And mm. like, whatever community you're in is changing, and I'm in certain communities, and John's in traveller community. We're all taking on change, but mm. one of the themes and all that is leadership. So John's now clearly emerging as a very strong leader in his community. You guys are leaders in your community, I'd imagine, particularly even by virtue of doing this podcast. You know, you're showing different ways of doing things, opening up discussions. Mm. And that's how change happens, is somebody pushes it a bit forward, takes on the conversations that maybe other people want to have but aren't having. So I, I've no doubt that all sorts of changes are happening. Even there's a young traveller woman called, I think she's Cindy Joyce. Cindy Joyce. Yeah, Brilliant. she's pushing it through as well because, you know, where are the traveller women's voices? And obviously there's yeah. lots of strong traveller women. But um, but again, like in mainstream society as well, like where, where are the women's voices? And um, they're all, you know, I, I don't think the sort of, LGBT equality conversation is over by a long shot, particularly the mm. T bit, which is the transgender. Mm. Yeah. I don't think we've even scratched the surface of accepting where we need to go as, as appreciating, you know, these are fellow human beings. And again, yeah. the suicide rate is massive. Yeah. Just to be devil's advocate with that, though, is there a point where we go almost overboard on that? I've seen recently on on twitter an argument breaking out about um don't refer to your baby as he or she refer to it as just baby until they're old enough to make up their mind as to what they want to be and i'm kind of like 
come on, like that. I personally think that's a little bit too far. That's mm-hmm. a little bit. You're not imposing malice on anything by saying it's male or female. Yeah. If they get older and they say, "No, I want to be considered the opposite of what you're calling me," that's when you change. That's when you, okay, no worries. Yeah, cool. Yeah. If that's what you want to be, that's what you can be. But to break that barrier down straight away and just be like stop right there it's a baby and baby only I think that's a little bit extreme just putting that out there yeah I think so too um, I, yeah, I, I think there's there's all sorts of gender change going on in the world now where where stuff's getting discussed that we just never had a chance to discuss so yeah. I think it's even good that there's a debate to be honest with you oh no yeah like, well, like I'm I hear you yeah, like it's like at what point do we stop debating and just mm. accept things as they are it's, getting, well, it's exactly. PC isn't it is that that's gone even I don't know if it's PC like I mean I understand the people are, are, are struggling to have what what they want to identify with and having the ability to, to express that openly and all but I just I'm all for the conversation, I'm all for it happening, and I'm all for people being, if if you don't, if you want to be gender fluid, if you don't want to be recognised as a certain gender or, or whatever the case may be, that's fine, but don't impose what you want on other people either, mm. you know what I mean? I think everybody should be free to make a choice, like, I don't think it's a, a black and white issue of there being one set of rules and that's it, like, it, it has to be open and it yeah, has to be yeah. fluid, like, And there, there's clearly a pushback to um, people... I suppose feeling that ideas are being imposed upon them mm. and that that can manifest itself and it can ultimately end up being counterproductive. Yeah. Because yeah. you end up with these forces that are like strong men that are saying no to that and it shuts down all debate then. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, interesting times we live in. Yeah. Well, really, especially yeah, yeah. with news coming out with Chechnya that there's concentration camps for the LGBT community and they're kind of. That's frightening. They're, like in this day and age, man, that is frightening. They're but kind of setting would-be gay people that they think are even gay, and they're setting them up just to bring them to this camp and mm. electric shoot, electric, electrocute them and give them absolute beatings. Yeah. That's but you, but crazy. It's not, it's not like, I mean... You think, you think you've taken a few steps forward in society and then you read horror stories like that. But, like... Fair enough, and people are probably thinking, like, oh, Chechnya, it's backward, blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, you still have to remember, there's still places in America where you pray the gay away. And yeah. that's a thing, like, where you yeah. go to a camp yeah. to literally pray to be cured of gayness. Like, it's, uh, yeah, so it's, yeah. it's not just uh, yeah. in far-flung, strange places. It's no, no. The but, modern, you know? Yeah, but, like, more or less concentration camps. Well, no, yeah, the concentration is a bit, camps. is a bit more extreme than pr- praying. No, I know, but what I'm saying is, like, that it's, it's not just confined to, they're still areas to battle oh yeah the force war but obviously anything that's considered like a concentration camp and the situation that's being described in Chechnya is completely horrific abhorrent and wrong like it shouldn't be happening at all and then their response their government's response is well it couldn't be true because we don't have any gay people living in Chechnya yeah that's heading <laughs> it was an official line like coming out of Chechnya from the, it's just crazy you, as mm. I said you think you've kind of moved ahead and then you hear ridiculous stories like that yeah. But sure, didn't the vice president Mike Pence? Didn't he want electrocutions in as well? I remember reading something that he was in favour of electric shock therapy. Yeah, for yeah, he's got a very dubious record. Already. Yeah. Oh, stop! It it kind of it bugs me that people will pander to. Like I know there's some people who you'll hear kind of crying out for kind of like you remember he said this right? You know it's on record that he said this and this is what his. Or even at the moment the UK just called elections and the Lib Dem leader. 
is kind of refusing to say rather he believes somebody asked him the question of do you think homosexuality is a sin or something like that and he will ne- neither confirm nor, nor deny exactly which really you know, yeah. yeah which is given given voice to all the other dark stuff yeah exactly so like it's, as I said we live in yeah, interesting yeah, times yeah. You know? so so like I mean we're all, like there's so much of these stories um, another one for example like a lot of the, um, migrants or refugees in Libya are getting sold into slavery and so there's you can buy a slave now for 200 quid a human being you can buy for 200 quid um, so so if Jesus you go looking Christ. or if you pick up any newspaper you will see any amount of uh, horror or injustice so my whole thing is well don't let it overwhelm you but neither don't deny it either yeah. like, don't pretend it's not happening the world is not just a rosy place but it is a great place too but rather just do something about it yeah. and uh, you don't have to take it all on and put it all on your shoulders you know and wear all the cross of the world <laughs> um, but just do a little bit do you think that's that's are we boarding by compassion fatigue do you think um, I, I think we've never had as much information as we've had ever in the history mm. of mankind. Like, I was on the dart here to meet you lads, and I was watching a lad on Twitter uh, to see what he was <laughs> looking at on Twitter. But it was just an interesting... Ex- I decided to let my phone go. I just wanted a, a break. Because yeah. I wanted to have a little bit of a clear head coming in here. So instead I watched someone else on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> the, watching the Kardashians, watching someone else. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, like, you know, he's, he probably processed 100 tweets, you know, in, in 20 yeah. minutes or more. Ah, that's a lot of information. That's yeah. a lot of information for your brain, isn't it? Yeah. There's and I probably sent a hundred tweets. Is that doing harm to your brain, do you think? Oh, yeah. Like, I, I definitely, I feel it anyway. I know yeah. that I process information all day long and I, I feel my brain fatigued. And yeah. I think too much fatigue will lead to, um, ultimately, I, I feel it's a massive factor in depression, to be honest. Oh, really? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, you look at it like that now. It's your brain. It's like, like your car. You know of your car has done a certain amount of mileage or whatever, it needs a service, mm. it needs a, a tune-up or whatever. Like, Surely you have to think about yourself and that sort of logic as well. If you're processing all this information and a huge chunk of it is like what Rory was describing there, like that you're seeing stories of people being sold into slavery, the situation in Chechnya, mm. all this political madness that's going on in the world, eventually at some point your brain is just going to start to say, that's it. I, right, we're not processing this in this way anymore and you're going to probably hit a little bit of a downward patch and it's about knowing how to kind of bring yourself either out of that or stopping yourself going into it. Or, you Put know the phone I mean? down and Go on a diet. Go on a brain diet. Yeah. <laughs> really? Know? Yeah. Give yourself that little break. Like, you need it. You know what I mean? That's definitely something. Stick I on do Netflix. Man. <laughs> Stick well, on Netflix. You could argue that. <laughs> and watch uh, something like, no, go like and making a more Friggin' yeah. stare at the sea or something, you know? Yeah, Just yeah. like properly tune out and empty exactly, the brain yeah. a bit. Go for a while. Um... I did watch, speaking of Netflix, I did watch, I finished yesterday a, a 13 part series called 13 Reasons Why. I don't know, have you heard of it? So basically, what it's about is a 17 year old girl um, dies by suicide in American high school and she records 13 cassette tapes and sends them to 13 individuals that are in the school. And they're basically reasons why this she 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 slit her wrists in the end. 
but it's it's telling it's telling each listener as in the, the person in the school her friend her associates why she did it and each tape is about somebody so it's a real kind of eye opener and it's a real thought provoking and I couldn't help but feel that like secondary schools might be worth watching this because it deals with um, social media, it deals with Facebook, it deals with um, there was a part of the show where she was um, going out with a, a boy and he took a compromising photograph of her and he showed all his mates and then one of his mates snatched the phone out of his hand and was looking at it and then put it all over social media so everyone then in the school saw this compromising photograph of her in a short skirt you know mm-hmm. um, that's the kind of thing as well that ties in a little bit to what we were talking about earlier with like sex, sex education and yeah. even just Snapchat it, do, it, it, I mean? it kind of goes into everything kind of spun out I suppose I think in a way in terms of educating uh, the youth uh, like teenagers mm. you know this is what can happen just be careful with social yeah, media. Yeah, yeah. Don't be kind of... Sure, even, like, I know that's a, a dramatisation. Like, wasn't there a chap in, I think it was Northern Ireland there, within the last 12 months. It was, there was a young fella killed himself. He, yeah, because he, he was going to be blackmailed. He was because, snared, yeah. yeah. He was snared in online to expose himself, you know. Yeah, and they said they were, gonna, they were going to send a video to his mates if he didn't pay whatever amount of money or whatever, and... Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. There, yeah, there was there's a case in uh, I know the name of the town, but I won't name it. But it's in the west of Ireland, very very small town, and um, a young girl. She ended up her her breasts were I don't know. Did her boyfriend get a picture of her, and and it went all over the town. You know. Yeah. So everybody, well, not everybody, a significant amount of people in that town have seen this young girl's breasts. You know, like she's very young, and. Um, that's the rest of her life, you know? Yeah. And um, so, like, I don't think we should moan on about this by any means, but we need education and empowerment for the young girl to know how to mind herself yeah. in the first place. And we need empowerment and education for young lads to know, like, that's not cool, yeah. right? And us that are the older lads need to show the younger lads that it's not cool as well and not just go, ah, sure, look, it's just a laugh. Yeah. And, um, it's not that we want to be like the Taliban or the moral police here. <laughs> yeah, no, but yeah. it's just about decency, you know. <laughs> and uh, like, don't get me wrong. Like, I've made all sorts of stupid decisions in my own life and <laughs> done all sorts of silly stuff. But that's the whole point. You want people to help show you better ways all the time. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, and I think a lot of younger folk want that. They don't want to be lectured at, but no. they just want someone to kind of. Give them a leg up. And a yeah, they don't want to be lectured, particularly kind of in school. They were like, oh, here we go again. But this dramatization of it was yeah. very kind of, was very. I found it was very effective um, and very important. Um, it's a different way of doing education too, because I think like the, the contemporary form of education, just rhyming off books and exams is redundant. Yeah, I think it's Victorian. I think it's a waste of time for the most part. And um, Too much stress. Yeah, well, like, it's not exercising people's own minds, get them to critically assess, analyse, debate. What was that all about? What did you think about it? Rather than force-feeding them a pre, pre-made opinion, you know? Yeah. So why not introduce documentaries and whatever into schools? Easy viewing, like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't even say easy viewing, but it just, it opens up. I mean, look, we live in a digital age. You can't you talked be... To your, um, you were talking about that on one of your shows, I think, you know, uh, with Emmett... 
uh, about Emma Carroll. Emma Carroll about his, uh, his power heartbreak, breaking. You know, yeah. could yeah. you could you look at that as a poem? And, and I, I definitely think so. I definitely think there's there's a hundred percent an avenue. Like I mean, look, we you can't keep secondary and primary education in almost an analog state when everything we're doing is digital. You just can't like, and if the medium such as what Emma is doing or you know using a, a contemporary documentary or something like that is available to kids and they're going to relate more to that than they are to John Donne or they're going to relate more to that than, and don't get me wrong, I've nothing against, you know, Shakespeare or whatever, but kids are going to relate more to something that is... What's happening today. Exactly, you know, and you have to bring that forward and I don't think it's a case of you can wait 10 or 15 years or whatever it is afterwards. You need to kind of catch them while it's hot and, and make sure that, you're, like, real-life situations are what's going to benefit people more, in, in my opinion, at least. Like, mm. But, I mean, I, I mean, I'm just a talking head <laughs> at the end of the day. Like, I mean, I'm by no means an expert in anything, but I'm just thinking from my point of view, having gone through the education system, having gone through third level, and now into my 20s, I'm kind of like, I think I would have learned or took a lot more from something like that than I would from memorizing a couple of quotes from the merchant of venice <laughs> and being able to say why such and such and compare and contrast that like you know what I yeah mean? yeah but anyway <laughs> um rory you did the ted talk i did yeah how, how did that come well, out? i have to put a disclaimer on it was the tedx you know it's 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 kind of a ted talk but it's not the, <laughs> the it's not the like the big hollywood version <laughs> <laughs> a disclaimer come on yeah uh, no, yeah, I, I did. Yeah, um, don't want to talk about experience, it anymore. Actually, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, I've done all sorts of talks. I, I I do talks every week. To be honest, I go into schools, colleges, conferences, and uh, I like an old talk. <laughs> 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 um, but that one's a bit different because TED Talk, you're supposed to kind of nail it, really, aren't you? Like it's you're supposed to like really just nail it, which is a lot of pressure. <laughs> 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 and uh, they said, do you want to do the eight-minute version or the 18-minute version? And Muppet here decided he'd like a challenge, which is, I don't know, man, like 18 minutes. But uh, no, it was good. I enjoyed it. Um, 18 long minutes. 18. Now, I, I decided I was going to enjoy it, actually. And now I, I actually help people with public speaking. It just through um, friends started coming to me saying, I'm really... I didn't realise that people found it so difficult. Mm. And... Um, yeah, like there's technical aspects to public speaking where how you stand, how you present your voice, where you put your arms, if you use PowerPoint or not, don't use PowerPoint. But for me, that's all secondary. It's basically about your inner voice. Like, are you confident enough to really like get the good, the gold out? Get get the gold out. Yeah. And at the heart of that, often are these negative beliefs that we all hold mm. about ourselves that we're not good enough, which yeah. is shite really. Yeah. And like we've all got these little miserable little feckers in our brains that are telling us that we're just a bit crap you know uh, or you know not up to scratch or somebody else is a little bit better than us so what what would i have to offer and it, it's it's all negative chat and that's where like you know you've had caroline mcguigan on and the work uh, suicide or survive different groups like that talking about mindfulness meditation mm-hmm. and the mental health aspect really ultimately it's about learning how the mind can also trick you also play negative games with you and if we're aware of all that kind of thought processes, then we can kind of harness it and redirect the river a little bit. And so allow the negative voice to just run itself out or tell it to feck off yeah. and just reprogram things. And then so with the 
TED Talk, I was like, yeah, I'm just going to enjoy this. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fun. And uh, I, I like helping other people do that now as well. And where, was the, where did it take place? That was in uh, Smock Alley in, uh, oh, in Dublin, yeah. where I actually got married in Smock Alley. Did you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got married three times, believe it or not. Uh, not to three different women, though. <laughs> All right, okay. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, uh, but the big wedding was in, upstairs in Smock Alley in the banquet hall. And the TED Talk was in that building as well. What were the 18 minutes like? Uh, like? Was it like a best man speech? Shit, you can have to Jesus look it up. Did you not watch it? No, I mean, like, it, you're, you know the way you were saying uh, you, you were asked for eight or 18 minutes? Yeah. Were you regretting saying 18 minutes? I know it wasn't. No. 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 I, it's good to challenge yourself, you know? Yeah. So I was like, oh, give me the hard one. 18 minutes would be a long best man speech. It would, wouldn't it? I think oh, I did. Well, it depends on the best man. <laughs> well, that's all talk through, yeah. What was your best man speech? Tight seven. Seven, was it? Thereabouts. I think I went under. I think mine was Actually, you, could, you can argue that uh, it's harder to do a short one. It's that old thing, isn't it? Sorry for my long note. I didn't have time to write a short one. Yeah. I can't remember who said yeah, that, but I yeah, love it. Yeah. I did uh, uh, public speaking there two months ago for the first time. And for the first <clears> 10, 15 minutes, like, I was talking to 16, 17-year-olds. And I was just looking to the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just kind of sitting there and I was talking. I was like, yeah, just looking up at the ceiling. Why? I don't know. I think, I don't know if it was like, why are they asking me to do public speaking? Like, why am, yeah. why am I here? Because it's that back to that wordiness. You're, you're like, well, what have I got to say to them? Yeah, mm. that's, that's how I felt. But then I felt I was getting comfortable after about 10 minutes and then... I was, I think, in the ten minutes, they I was kind of shut you up, then. Yeah, they couldn't <laughs> shut me up, but they were kind of responding a bit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And then I was getting more comfortable, and then I was like looking around and I was talking. And yeah. but like I remember, for the first ten minutes, I was just looking up to the ceiling as I was talking about my life and stories and stuff like that. It was a mad experience. Yeah. But like, I think I'd do it again. I'd yeah. say you'd be flying the next time. Yeah. I think the the main thing for me is uh, speak from your heart, not your head. Right. And uh, it doesn't matter if you're stammering or clunky or coughing or slow or fast, but if you're actually speaking genuine from your heart, people will actually go, that guy's actually for yeah. real. Yeah. They're not just wanking yeah. on at me. Dead right, though, Danny used but to do uh, public speaking in the form of a stand-up comedian. And that's... that's oh, uh, really? That's even more intimidating. Oh, no. uh, but that's, that's completely different. That's almost... Uh, and I don't... <laughs> just why we're saying things that are wanky. That's... <laughs> Almost a performance as opposed to just actually standing and just talking to people. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like but you're, you're counting on a reaction. Was there ever a time when there wasn't a reaction where you're like... Died on my arse many a time, man, yeah. Like, 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 the whole thing is you're feeding off, or at least for me, I was feeding off that reaction. So yeah. you'd always have kind of your opening bit, which you'd always hope to start strong and from that then build. But I'd always try to have a bit of crack with people as opposed to just coming out and doing... Like, you know, like, set up punchline, set up punchline. Yeah. I try to have a bit of fun with people while I was that kind of thing. And if you didn't get that reaction, then, yeah, you start to, you get that inner Tense. kind of panic of, you know, oh, shit, what am I going to do now kind of thing? Because this isn't going how I planned. And then you're scrambling. But like that, if you realize you're scrambling, you can almost use that to your advantage. Because kind of like what you were saying, if it's coming from the heart, if you're acknowledging that, you know, oh shit, I'm dying on me hole here. And you can put that across in a way that the audience will respond. You can kind of win it back a little bit. Yeah. But um, 
I think uh, that, that kind of thing I think is a little bit different to, to just public speaking but obviously there's similarities as well like mm. I definitely recognise the scrambling bit anyway yeah. <laughs> I, I remember doing a talk in front of thous- a thousand teenage girls what oh, and I was dying like I was really dying it was not working at all yeah. and I was just dying on my feet so in the end I decided to go down with the microphone into the crowd and start chatting to them and engaging them and totally took a different angle yeah. on it then I decided to invite them up on stage I was like does anyone get up and speak about someone that inspires them and then nobody would and then eventually they all went and I had a queue of people wanting to get up on stage and we just transformed the whole experience of me talking to them to yeah. them speaking to kind me of I'd, say, yeah, yeah. I'd say you were getting yeah. like this almost adrenaline pump from that because it was completely different to what you were it was adrenaline because I was dying you know but, but, but it but turned, turned around, yeah, it, turned yeah. around. It, was, it was an amazing thing and, was yeah. that done just uh, like ad hocly kind of going oh yeah Wow. It's when you're dying, you have to fight for your life. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great... Well, the yeah. crisis is the mother of invention, isn't exactly, it? Exactly, yeah. yeah. There's a great joke as well, just comedians dying on their arse. It happens. And, and it's like almost a rite of passage. Like, when you proper, absolutely die in front of a big room, it's it's almost the kind of thing where you, when you go back into the, the little area behind the stage or... Usually it's a pub in town, so it's down to the staircase where all the other lads are hanging out. Yeah. And it's that kind of like, uh, you know what I mean? But th- there is that, as you said, it's that kind of mother of invention moment where you have to. It's, it's, it's sink or swim. Like, But mm. when you're just doing stand-up comedy, you've got ways around that. You can kind of like that. You can try bring the audience into it. You can change it about and all that. I tell you who can't do that, man. Comedy magicians. All they can do is speed up their fucking tricks. Like, <laughs> literally, all they can do is try and be like, right, I'm just going to have to get through this. This 10 minutes is going to be six minutes. Is that like Penn and Teller? Are they comedy magicians? Uh, I'd say they maybe are a bit comedy yeah. magicians. I won't name the, the chap I'm talking about, but I remember uh, there was a gig up north, and um, this story's been told hundreds of times by loads of people. It's gone, it, it's down in infamy at this stage, but uh, he was like, um, we are doing a gig up north and, and his first thing was I need a volunteer. Good opening sentence. And, uh, up north. Yeah. And then uh, just this northern accent from the back was like, why? He's like, oh, I'm going to make a woman disappear. And he went, done it. <laughs> Unbelievable response. No like, way. And the entire room just, and that was it. There was no coming back for your man from that point on. Like, So he literally just kind of done a couple of like, oh, I'll make this appear. And oh, look what's up my sleeve, and here's a card trick, good night, God bless, I'm out, I'm done. He done, I'd say, half a set, didn't ask to be paid, just left. Oh my it God. Was, it was the weirdest, surrealist, most amazing thing to watch in one sense, but on the other sense, I'm like, how does he pick himself up and do the next show? Like, I, yeah, he's still gigging today, he's brilliant. But. i seen um, a comedian fall on his arse and then take it out on a woman just standing at the bar. And absolutely just tore through her. It was yeah. the night you were gigging a couple of years back. And he just like, oh, look at the stadium. Did you come up the, the, the other side of the Liffey and all? I yeah. just went through her. Like. That's, that's where the panic sets in. So you resort to kind of the lowest common denominator. And you think, if I can insult one in a room of 50, the room of 50 mob mentality will set in. It's a horrible way to go about it, in my opinion. Yeah. You can't, like, if somebody's being a heckler and they're being a gobshite, then... You know, not in a way that's going to actually be harmful, but kind of, you know, a bit of messing, but that, yeah. that kind of thing. It was getting right. nasty. It was like, oh, here, yeah. mate, you've done it now. Leave the woman alone. Yeah. I think it's because she was talking to the barman during mm. one of his gags. 
Yeah. And he got distracted. And I was like, Mike, will you relax the cacks? Yeah. Um, but yeah, look, dying on your hole will either get you swimming, no problem at all, or the current will take you away. Yeah, like yeah. Um, Rory, do you, do you do the talks um, in the prisons as well? Uh, I don't, but I have been into the prison, I've uh, been into Wheatfield Prison with Suiciders 5. Right. And um, I've met a lot of the prisoners that are doing the mentoring work there. Okay. And uh, yeah, it's pretty, pretty... Um, what are those experiences like with the prisoners like? Actually, funny you mention that. Because <laughs> <laughs> the talk I did with the thousand teenagers was 20 minutes after I left Wheatfield Prison. And the first thing I got up was I got up on stage and said, I've just come from the prison. And the whole thing just went off in the wrong direction. <laughs> um, but I was in a totally different headspace, you know. It was c- quite surreal to be in prison for your first time like that and uh, meet yeah. the prisoners. And then realising some of them were actually, you know, in there for life. I didn't realise until I was leaving, actually. Um, but actually, I'll tell you the truth. One of the, the main... Um, memories of being talking to some of them lads was uh, and these are men that have been trained with suicide or survive in wellness recovery these are mentors leaders now in the prison um positive leaders i came away going these are some of the most calm and adjusted people i've met in a long time which is actually well not what you would expect no no not at all but if prisons were to do what prisons should do, that's what you should be getting because mm. they're socially rehabilitating. Yeah, because you talk to um, a lot of uh, governors or, or look at the statistics and research around it and John Lonergan's work. The recidivism rate of people going—it's a revolving door. Yeah. Essentially, most prisons are uh, are warehouses for poor people and people with like mental health issues and so mm. on they're like they're where society wants to just dump people that they don't want to help now obviously there's crime in all of that and there's brutal nasty stuff you don't want to see that's ignore. why people don't get don't consider that prisons in their theory are supposed to rehabilitate that an offender won't reoffend. so if you're if we're seeing like programs going into prisons I, I think there'll be public outcries like why are we spending money on, on them for this, that and the other? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because you don't want someone to come out and do the exact same thing again. Yeah. And ultimately, if you don't want to look at it as a human being, you can look at it as an economist and go, well, it's costing me way too much money to have them going in and back out and back in again. It's costing time with the cops, with social workers, with wardens, with food. It costs a lot of money to keep someone in prison. Yeah. It doesn't cost that much money to provide programs for them, you know. And that can all start with youth work. If you invest in youth work in the community with 13-year-olds and get them involved in skateboarding, DJing, hip-hop, poetry, dance, whatever the hell they're into, sport, then the chances just keep massively decreasing of those kids ever getting in trouble. Ever getting in trouble with prison, ever getting in trouble with alcohol, with sex problems, with drugs. So invest in the community and... Governments typically aren't getting that properly because they love short-term economic policy and they don't want to look at the bigger picture. Well, that's the downside of a five-year cycle, I suppose, isn't it? It's very short-sighted. Like, um, I know some people think five years is a long time, but when you're talking about things like that, you know what I mean? It's Yeah, 
it'd be a major concern, all right, to think that um, that revolving door situation is is going to stay. I never actually thought of it like that until just now. <laughs> I'm just to meet me the wheels. So, were you saying there without five year cycle, but government's five year cycle? Yeah, five so years. they so can't. That's, that's best case scenario. They they can't plan. It's not that they can't. It's that I would imagine there's a reluctance to do so because. You know, they've always got one eye. I think politics is the nature where they've always got one eye on our earth cheeks going to be firmly planted in that seat next time around. Like, yeah, um, yeah, like the, there's, you know, Leo Fradker's talking at the moment about tax cuts because obviously he wants to be the next Taoiseach. And so yeah. the traditional weapon is, hey, everybody, I'm going to give you free sweets. And, but they're not free sweets. Tax cuts aren't free. And they're going yeah. to, like, the choices there are like do you want hospital beds like we've one of the worst health systems in Europe it's not world. the world you know it's, yeah. it's absolute disgrace so why give tax cuts when we should be investing in health services the most basic thing of any function in society of course I want the tax cut you know yeah. but I want hospital beds for people that are really sick yeah. so stop with your crap politics here and you know take some leadership it's like some of the Scandinavian countries in Iceland and stuff their tax and kind of cost of living is a bit more expensive but their health system is the best in the world like yeah i mean there's people talking about going to iceland and uh the price of it local beer is like eight or nine euro but there's a lot of tax on that and it's going to make sure that the health system is pristine and you can go to a and e and get looked after but over here Plus, they have free, they free healthcare, they free childcare, they have loads of time off when they have a baby, so does the father. So does the mother. father, yeah. Yeah, and so we're paying tax in all these other ways anyway. Like, even yeah. in the public hospital, there's a fee. Even in secondary schools, there's, there's fees, you know. So it's like, if you were to do tax right, it could be a good thing. Which mm. is a strange thing to say in Irish society. No, but, you're right. Though. But the like Enda Kenny said it himself that the model they're following is the American model. He wants you know kind of an American vision of society where that doesn't work. It's free free range. But what happens is like it is dog eat dog. So the real dirty dogs will get to the top and leave the yeah. rest of us on the ground. That's not a healthy way to do business. It's no. not a healthy way to run a country. But the American model doesn't work. No, you, the look at America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they don't have a health. No, it system. works for a lot of people, but not most people. Not most people. It it should be working for everyone. Doesn't work for the vulnerable. That's no. and, and that's, that's who we need no, to be looking at. Yeah, so that's when it comes down to values, and and that's where you know back to Kilmainham Jail, like like in the freedom struggles and so on. Like a yeah. lot of people didn't just fight to be free of the British; they fought to have a decent country so yeah. that wasn't sort of cheating our own. Um, and unfortunately, that struggle still continues, yeah. which is why, and for me, the front line is in the community where people just get stuck in as a volunteer, as a youth worker, mm. whatever it is. I don't mind what you do. Just do something. Yeah. I've seen on the, um, your Twitter profile, it has a presidential appointee to the Council of State. What's, what's that? Yeah. Uh, well, how did that happen? How did that happen? Um the Council of State, for people maybe listening that don't know, is um, it's an advisory body to the president, and it's um, the president's number one job is to uphold the constitution and make sure the constitution's in good nick and looked after and not abused and honoured. And he has he or she have um, a council of advisors that they convene if they're unsure that the legislation is constitutional. So the government pushes through legislation, signs it off. The president's job is to sign every piece of legislation into law. 
but if he or she is unsure, they, they can refer to the Supreme Court. But before they would refer to the court to consider, they would have to convene this council. So the council is made up of the Taoiseach, the President, the Attorney General, and all former Taoiseachs and all former Presidents. So Brian Cowan, Bertie Hearn, Mary McAleese, Mary Robinson. They're all on the council say. And then the President gets an appoint seven people, and I'm one of those seven. What? Yeah. That's quite a privilege. It is a privilege, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it is. Unbelievable. So do you, yeah. and how does, like, so... And there are no expenses before you ask. Or, <laughs> I was going to say, what's Or uh, chauffeured cars or anything well, like that. Th- yeah, for Bertie yeah, Hearn, yeah, though. Yeah. <laughs> no, there, there actually isn't, um, it's mainly an honorary position. It doesn't have any right. significant power as such. I was going to say, so, do, like, is there a situation in where, say, something, and is it essentially a, a giant boardroom almost? Yeah, it's a giant boardroom, essentially, yeah. It's, it's, where you all sit around it's, and discuss it. It's a council it, like. state room, yeah. And, uh, yeah, we all sit around, yeah. And, um, yeah, you're, you basically have to give your spiel, uh, and the meeting can go on from anything from four to eight hours or more. Yeah. With all, uh, with all these people? In yeah, it? yeah, yeah. And I'd be, you know, I would not be coming from a political or a legal background, um, so I've had to, you know had to get up to speed on my constitutional law and so on but I also take advice from people that that know better than me and um yeah it's like the last last one was a difficult meeting actually it was um it was called the International Protection Act and it was supposed to streamline the refugee uh, asylum seeker process to supposedly make it fairer and more efficient and um I felt quite the opposite, that it was a terrible piece of legislation and um, gave guards the right to bash down people's doors and throw them on planes back to terrible countries, terrible regimes. And that legislation has resulted directly in a lot of chaos and distress more, quite recently for people. So, I, you know, I had an opportunity to speak my mind on the legislation, but specifically I'm being asked to say, is it constitutional or is it not? And ultimately, it doesn't necessarily matter what I think, because the president's listening to 20-odd voices, and he's going to make up his own mind anyway. And Michael D's no stranger to the Constitution, so... yeah. Um, but it's a, it's it's been quite quite an interesting experience. How so even Easter these? Sunday, I was in the GPO. You know, I get invited to all the different state events and functions and brilliant get to see how the the other half lives a little bit you're you're almost golfing buddies with michael deed and like at this stage i'd imagine Uh, i don't think either of us are into (laughs) golfing (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. um no golf involved no (laughs) no golf clubs have been harmed (laughs) how often do these meetings take place uh very very rarely right um the last one was in um it was a year and a half ago almost all right, and um, how long is your kind of term of office? It's the same as the president's term, seven years. So th- that's up. The current term's up next October. So there's another year and a half ish. Okay. Yeah. So you might be so called I have to in. Behave myself. I was going to say you might be called in for some big stuff before then. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. so interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. Yeah, it is. Um, I, I generally feel. How that. did you get? How did that even happen? Um, yeah, it's a good question. Um, I suppose I met Michael D. Uh, I should say the president, but he's known well as Michael D. as <laughs> yeah. well. So, affectionately um, known. Affectionately, yeah. Yeah, I met him on the train to Galway once because um, uh, he's 
he was based in Galway, and as was I actually at the time. Big Galway, and I was working on the suicide prevention campaign, and um, I just went up and said to him what we were up to. I said, "Can you help out?" He said, "Yeah." He's he's kind of quite a people's person anyway. Like, so was he just yeah. a kind of civilian as as such on the train? Yeah, and he just yeah, yeah. Him? Yeah. Now I think this is a good thing about Ireland in lots of ways. Like I actually saw Willie O'Dea in a bus stop in Dublin the other day queuing for the Limerick bus, <laughs> and I thought. Like, I'm not a mad fan of his politics or anything, but I thought, mm. oh, there's Willie O'Dea, you know, yeah. Yeah. senior Fianna, Ga- Fianna Fáil uh, TD waiting on the bus. <laughs> and uh, th- there's a familiarity in Ireland that yeah. is good in a way. Now, it can be bad as well. Yeah. But um, yeah, I met him on that, and then uh, I organised, uh, or he would have seen me speak at uh, an event in Donegal, the McGill Summer School, so he'd, he oh, heard yeah. the type of stuff that I was into. And... Um, what else? I organised a presidential debate with all the candidate, most of the candidates for young people, just for young people. So um, we'd met him at that as well. But I wouldn't have known him as such. You know? So was he familiar with you when you approached him on the train? No, no. I don't think so, no. 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 So that, that's how it came about where he said, right, Rory, I'm going to appoint you to No, this. no, no. That was like a few years previous. And uh, yeah, I actually, I actually talked to him on the phone once as well uh, okay. about the <laughs> Dalai know. Lama actually weirdly um, I was involved in uh, yeah this sto- where's this story going to go now yeah. um, I was involved with various other people uh, a group called Afri and other children in, the cross- children in Crossfire we brought the Dalai Lama to Ireland in 2011 I think and um, we organised this big event with loads of cool speakers and music and all sorts and the Dalai Lama was speaking at it and uh, Michael D wanted to come to it that's what we'd heard and um, yeah was it my mate gave me his number I think I can't quite remember either I phoned him or he phoned me and um, because he'd been to Tibet and he'd observed he used to be a human rights observer in Chile and Tibet and various countries Mm. around the world and um, he'd gone to China then to Beijing and he'd, he'd lashed into the Chinese government. Well, I shouldn't be laughing because it's ser- no joke of a situation with regards to Tibet. Um, and so he's very interested in the Dalai Lama and we got chatting about that. And, um, but again, like, so I had three or four interactions with him, but I wouldn't have known him as like in any personal way. Yeah. So why did he pick you to go on the Council of State? You have to ask him that. You get him on your podcast. <laughs> well, we asked him on the podcast. <laughs> we have tried it. Eh? We have tried it, yeah. Have you, yeah? Yeah, we, yeah, we, we sent the letter. Yeah, we got a polite uh, decline, I think. Right. Yeah. I can't remember how it was worded. It was sure. worded nicely. Never it was worded that. nicely. It was just saying that the president is, uh, has he a lot of He doesn't have time for you, Master, as I said. Yeah, <laughs> he hasn't got time to go to the Fitzpatrick's Castle Hotel. Exactly, yeah. But now that we have Rory as a contact, <laughs> he might get in yeah, there. Yeah, so... Uh, that's yeah, unbelievable. That's the, that's the crack with that. That's a, that definitely is a privilege. Yeah, it is a privilege, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and so I try to, you know, I don't really have any significant power in that role or anything. Do you not at least get to, like, skip the queue and spar or that? Like, do you know what I mean? Do you get to, like... Uh, well, no, see, the scene is no, the president I get, still... I get home deliveries from spar. Oh, right, okay. Well, I shouldn't be mentioning <laughs> brands. <laughs> no. yeah, so the counter from product placement. From yeah. any, any yeah. news agent. Um, um, I prefer, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I love the even that the president like there's pictures of him queuing up for the ATM before he goes to the cinema. Yeah, yeah that's I've brilliant. seen those. Yeah, Classic. Yeah. Um, no, there's no like, there's no. Yeah, there's there's lots of privilege. I I try to use it uh, the role to help other voices and mm. campaigns and causes get attention. Do you know? Um, 
so if it gives me some leverage with media or, or other door, it opens up, up other doors for me I try to open those doors for other people to yeah so that we can get through those doors yeah to distribute the power a bit more and um, because the power is too concentrated in small rooms with small bunches of mostly men yeah that's a fair point it's actually something similar to what Tom Clonan was saying to us there a couple of weeks ago as well because he obviously campaigns a lot for disabilities with a son situation and he was kind of saying that if getting in the room is one thing but when you get in the room it's rather they're going to listen to the voices they're not that there so it seems to be a bit of a reoccurring theme that we're now listening to people saying like you know yeah I think there's a theme in the Irish um, kind of zeitgeist at the moment around power and um, you look at um, I'm involved with a group called Uplift yeah I was just um, going to get to that yeah yeah <laughs> so I was involved in setting that up and I'm on the board still and in the last 24 hours we've had a petition up around the government giving the, the National Maternity, Maternity Hospital, Hospital to yeah. uh, Sisters of Mercy crazy and crazy decision. after you know everything the abuses they have they owe millions to the state not just to the state to abuse victims yeah, yeah. and yeah, we won't go into the details, but the campaign has um, taken off faster than any other campaign I've witnessed in years. 30, maybe 40,000 people have signed a petition in, in less than 24 hours. Wow. And it, it's literally like two people every second or something are signing it. Now, I know it's only an online petition, but it becomes this yeah. forum Topic. for people to join together and go, we will not be silent. We're, mm. We're sick of this and we're going to get organised and it's showing ministers, it's showing the government that we're not going to be dismissed. Why would that, like, why would a decision like that be made considering the current climate? Back, back rooms, small rooms with small bunches of men. Now, I don't necessarily think it's a small group of nuns. Now, there are managerial nuns there, but this is now big business. Yeah, that's yeah. the way you need to look at it. This, Does the government nuns, not think that this would be a back, there'd be a backlash? I, I think we've hundreds of years of being walked on and ignored. And that's the general status quo is just carry on, carry on. And yeah. that's what it is with the site serve inquiry. That's what it is with the Garda inquiries. That's what it is with all these things. Just carry on. And there's, a, there's an uproar and then they just push on through and ignore us. So we have to keep pushing back to the point where we just can't be ignored. So what happens now with the, the signatories in the petition? So no, that's campaign strategy, really. You could be into looking at vigils, protests, um, doing more media work but the, essentially it's trying to build heads of steam build it up build it up build it up to the point where you've got a lot of power to leverage and show that you know we're, we're not going to go away but didn't Simon Harris tweet that the the hospital will not be aligned to any religion yeah so that's like what you might call an ecumenical matter where <laughs> uh, you know it's debatable it's like so yeah yeah, on paper that's technically true, and um, yeah. but the the Sisters Mercy will be on that board and hold significant power, power. and roles on the board. And yeah. we're talking about maternity, we're talking about women's bodies, we're talking about values of how, we, particularly when we're looking at repeal the age and so on. Yeah. Um, but we're also looking at these nuns profiteering off a national, state, taxpayer-run hospital, and profiteering on the back of that after historical abuses that they owe mm. money for and refuse to pay so i don't wish any ill on any nun or any order or any company or any individual but this is just unfair and unjust and yeah. it's it's just like 
there's no there's nothing wrong in one sense with religion and religion has its place and that's for people to have their spirituality if they so choose to express it in that format um, but it doesn't have any business in in big business yeah. and in running state-led hospitals or schools for that matter something like 93 percent of primary schools are still controlled by churches and it's you know we're, we're a republic we, yeah. we shouldn't have it shouldn't be run by so it's, uh, not a, it's not an anti-religious sentiment at all um, in fact i'd be closer to religion in some ways i very much consider myself a spiritual person and uh um you know so it's it's for me it's about democracy and 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 power and whatever backroom decisions were done here uh, mm. we're now getting to see a bit more about that but we talked about the guards a wee bit too and you could talk a lot about that um we've just got a whole history of abuse of power but part of that is that we as individuals don't realize that the power we have and that goes back to some of what you're saying when you're doing the public speaking and don't believe you're worthy uh, because who am I? I'm just Joe Soap. I'm just uh, a citizen. I'm just a voter. But like we actually are the powerful ones because there's way more of us nationally and globally uh, than the 1%. And it does roughly boil down to a 1% versus 99%. Uh, but it's been like that for hundreds, if not thousands of years, where small groups of elites have run uh, society. And then you have charlatans like Donald Trump come in and go, we're going to drain the swamp and get rid of all the elites. And then they fill the swamp full of other elites that are worse than the elites. And uh, that's just been tricked. That's ultimately what that is. And uh, so it's back to, like, how do people get decent power and decent leadership? And the only way you can ever do that is by getting involved. You can't outsource it to someone else to do it for you. Mm, yeah. Kind of activism. Yeah, activism by whatever way you want to call it. I don't care if you're writing a song or doing it through football or whatever. And if you don't want to call it activism, that's cool too. Um, or uh, Keith Kelly's Choose Life. Keith Kelly's Choose Life, the famous Keith Kelly, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, yeah, Keith Kelly's a great guy we both know yep. who, um, who's been on his own battles, his own journey. And um, he's really like conquered a lot of demons. And now he's becoming a leader and he's expressing a lot of his angst and, and wishes for the world through like creativity. So he's, he made this video on the train spotting theme called Choose Life. And he didn't, I knew, I was talking to him when he was making it and he was a bit nervous. And then he just said, bugger, I'm going to do it. And it went viral and it was on <laughs> yeah. Joe.ie. It was all over the internet and, you know, it was amazing. It was everywhere, yeah. yeah. It was brilliant. Um, and he published an article today on the Lust for Life website. You're involved in Lust for Life yeah, as well. Yeah, so I was involved in the early days of Lust for Life. And my wife is, uh, full disclosure, my wife is the editor, helps set it up as well. And um, That's the thing, that is Brezzy's Brezzi's involved, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's mental health again, well-being, all the kind of positive stuff again. Former guest on the show, John Ross Crangle, also had a... Yeah, he contributed a piece. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, lots. It's basically a community for people to like. We're talking a lot about media in this discussion. Uh, like a lot of the the mainstream media is a bit lost in the bushes, and it doesn't always kind of reflect the reality of what's going on in people's lives. And um, so, a lot of us are creating our own media. Like I'm doing it with the Love and Courage podcast. You guys are doing it with this um, Lust for Life. You know, 
So Keith published on lustforlife.com and uh, he told some of his stories about how he was locking himself in a room because he was so afraid and some trauma had happened to him in his life and now he's talked about the full journey through working with Suicide or Survive and becoming what I see as him becoming a community leader Definitely. and now him getting his voice out there to help others and uh, it's, it's a great thing to observe it's a great thing to see people finding their voice absolutely he already was a community leader yeah, as yeah, it was yeah, yeah. and now he's, he's just, just a, become more of a he's just a giant now yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I think he is but yeah. because of his um, I suppose the Choose Live stuff and the article today just went went mad after about half an hour 45 minutes yeah, yeah. and it's a, it's a great piece as well yeah. there's he's a become, lot more writing left in him I he's think. become a, a pillar of this community within the borough I think yeah and, big time um, very respected ra- yeah rather rather Keith realises or, or wants to accept the, the title of being a pillar of the community I think there's an awful lot of people who see kind of what he's doing and, and definitely take inspiration from that and definitely look at it and say do you know what yeah, yeah. That, well if Keith's yeah. talking about it well I'm going to talk about it you know it. what I mean yeah and oh. I'm, I'm, I, I can nearly bet that he has helped people kind of around his own age particularly and true grievance and stuff like that so yeah 100% yeah. agree and more power to him man. that's why he's doing it he, he was reminding me that today I was texting him and uh, he was saying look it's great everyone is on to me saying well done but it's not about me and um, he's saying that he just knows so many people right now he's known people recently tried to kill themselves and for him it's about trying to yeah. throw a throw a life boy to them you know yeah. and um yeah, there's lots of work to be done, you know. But at the same time, it's choose life. That's his other message is, is like, enjoy life as well. Yeah. It's not all misery as well. No, absolutely That's not. Have to, have to dance in the rain. Yeah. <laughs> in the nude. Only yeah, general. yeah, yeah. Just it's me. time you lads put a bit of clothes on here. I'm, I, I can't take much more of this. <laughs> there is a bit of a draft, if I'm, if I'm being honest. <laughs> is that what it is? <laughs> <laughs> it's chilly, Grant. It's chilly yeah. in there. <laughs> Um, Rory, we're running out of time with you, um, but I've I've totally enjoyed this. I found it uh, fascinating, and um, I've enjoyed just kicking back and listening to the two years. If I'm being honest, <laughs> and getting occasionally to to have a barb in there. You got his haircut today. <laughs> we back to group therapy mode. Yeah, yeah, yeah more or less. Yeah. <clears throat> um, what 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 is there another other than making your podcast go live? Is there any other future projects or future kind of things you want to get going? I have a list as long as my arm, yeah. <laughs> I want to go hang out in the jungle with the tribesmen in West Papua, which is a whole other story. Uh, where? where? Uh, West Papua. It's, um, it's on the New Guinea island, just right. north of Australia, and I happen to know a tribesman there in the jungle. What <laughs> the <fuck? laughs> How do you know <laughs> a oh, here, hang on. We need to do a whole other podcast <coughs> I was going to say. How, no, we're how not, do you we don't just, have time for this. Though. How do you just happen how to know? How do you happen to know a tribesman <laughs> in uh, Papua New Guinea? I used to live in Letterkenny, and I put on a gig one night, and someone sent him up to me. That's a fact. So there was a, a tribesman from Papua? Some, no, it was just this one tribesman. There, the Indonesian, oh, it's a long story, but the Dutch <laughs> used to rule the whole of Indonesia yeah, yeah. and all the different islands, um, as did France and Netherlands. All, half the European countries ruled other countries. Yeah. So the Dutch ruled these countries. Then when the Indonesia got independence, they claimed West Papua, which is ethnically different. They're basically like Malay people. They're right. more like South Pacific. And... Um, Anyway, where the hell, how did I get into this? Jesus Christ, lads. Because <laughs> I asked you I'm trying to plans. give you a short version of this. <laughs> anyway, so the, the, these, um, lots of mining companies are there trying to get a hold of their rainforest and oil and gas and copper and gold and so on. 
and um, this they're essentially what's happening there happened in Ireland hundreds of years ago. They're banning their native beliefs, they're banning their language, they're banning their music, and they're bringing in all the settlers or invaders or settlers, whatever you want to call them, from Indonesia, and the native people are getting transplanted. So um, he was sent by his tribe to tell the world about this, ah. and he ended up in Ireland because activists in England sent him to Ireland to meet activists here and I was putting on a gig in Letterkenny and someone heard about it and said will I send this lad up to you and I said sure why not and uh, before I knew it he was up on stage singing and he said he hadn't sang in years uh, because the Indonesians had banned them singing their native songs Wow! so I haven't seen him in many many years and um, but You're again still in touch though are you? We are a little bit, yeah, uh, but it, it goes back again. We started off the discussion about uh, Kilmainham Jail. Like for me, a lot of it is this sense of Irish history and the struggles that we faced and whether they're now being faced in Chechnya or West Papua or Syria or Palestine. Um, I don't think, I don't believe in this business of like just looking after your own. Like I think the struggle for freedom is always a struggle for everybody's freedom and we're all kind of connected in that regard and like sure James Connolly and uh, was from Scotland you know yeah. now I know he's Irish uh, Scottish but um yeah so uh, it's for me it's a sense of solidarity just human beings and uh, my big concern at the moment is this kind of uh, fake division to say like we're different than them and all of that and what do they want to kind of build a wall around Ireland and have us in a little island out in the Atlantic on our own, not yeah. interacting with the world. Of course, there are major, there's major radical change needed economically, politically. We do need to deal with proper integration with immigration. We need to like have massive overhauls. But like, you should choose love, not fear. And at the moment, there's like a choosing fear. And in 1930s, that led to the likes of Hitler. It led to fascism in Germany, in Italy, in Spain, in Portugal, in Greece. Uh, so we know these, this type of trend, we know this type of politics, and the only way to counteract it is through like, messages of love, messages of justice, messages of equality, and not buy into the fear-mongering and false puppeteers, false shysters, tricksters, money men that are spinning illusions and using media and, and social media to weave webs of illusion. And... Um, Again, brings me back to the community. It all starts in your local community by like helping each other out. So you help out people in your local community and you help people out in your global community. There's now them, only us. Exactly. One love. <laughs> and Bob that, Marley. And, th- and that's what's leading you to Papua New Guinea. I don't know, lads. I don't know where I'll end up. <laughs> that's on I have the no list. idea. For me, life is one big giant mystery. It's a big adventure. I have no big master plan. I'll but you have a list of what, things you want to achieve. Uh, yeah, and I won't achieve them all, yeah. and that's fine too. Yeah, we lovely. just roll with Love it and it. let the winds blow and uh, just try and enjoy it as well. Love it. Deadly. Um, Rory, if people want to hear more from yourself, um, the, the impending launch of the podcast, so they can keep an eye out on that. Um, but where else can they find you and, and all your bits and bobs? Yeah, so it's Rory McKiernan on the Twitter machine, I suppose. And uh, Love and Courage will be, I think I, yeah, I do have loveandcourage.org, and that directs to my personal website now. And you can generally find me floating around various counties in Ireland and uh, come and say hello if you do. 
Um, yeah, I'm easy enough to track down, to be honest. <laughs> and start your podcast. Oh, the podcast is get it launched. Launcher, get it launched. I did a I tried to do a plug in the live notification, but I got a bit mixed up. So, right. um, April 29th at the Carlisle Grounds, it's the 1888 All Stars versus the Celtic Legends. Kickoffs at three o'clock. The fundraisers for Jared Doolan, uh, Celtic Legends include Alan Stubbs, Henrik Larson, Stylian Petrov, uh, Liam Miller, Tommy Johnson. Reggie Blinker, Pierre Van Hoydonk. Um, there's a dinner in Colony Castle, Fitzpatrick's Castle Hotel, and there's a meet and greet as well in the Step In pub, and it's going to be a cracker. So just Google Celtic Legends game um, with Brett Eric at the Carlisle Grounds, and it should come up and it should direct you to the Facebook page for more information and tickets. That is class, Henrik Larson. Yeah. I used to live in Glasgow. I uh, went to college there, and well, uh, I was mad into Celtic around the time. Yeah. Uh, when High Dunk and loads of them lads were playing, so get, get yourself get yeah. yourself to that match though. Jesus, yeah. Keith's involved in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's going to be in the program as yeah. well. Oh, is he going? Yeah, to be yeah, yeah. Sure, he's everywhere now. He's, he's everywhere. Can't get enough of him. Look at that lad. Communities love it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, actually, so just while we're on the whole plug and other things, the communities. One of the things to get you out and about, get you walking, get you can't uh, walk, man. Push. Get you. Well, oh, Jesus, why? You, You're you, ableist, man. You love you love throwing that at me, don't you, man? Yeah, love throwing that at me. They'll just cutting um, you off. Get you out and about anyway, and get you interacting with other people in the community. Um, Logan's down pigeon put. We mentioned John Ross Crangle, and I promised him weeks ago I would say this: the pigeon put season is well and truly gone. And um, they very kindly. Yeah. Um, I, I don't, what, did they name a hole after us? Name a tea box after <laughs> they us? They named a hole after us, yeah. Like, like, He's got know, a, na- a hole named after yeah. him. Yeah, the, the ninth. The, the ninth, ninth hole in Lockwood Sound Pigeon Book. Is uh, officially the WTS part hole. Um, <laughs> fine so, hole it is. <laughs> it's the finest hole in all the land. <laughs> so, yeah, J.R. Crangle essentially got me a Merrower hole. And, um, Congrats. T- thanks very much for that, J.R. But, but also, lads, um, yeah, look, they're always accepting members up there and coming into the summer, be grand to get out and loads of people from the community involved in that and it's a good little course and nice resource there. So, we said we'd give them a plug, get involved, lads. Um, you have nothing better to be doing in the fine weather. But uh, I think that's pretty much it from us. Uh, FitzpatrickCastle.com, as always, um, you can pop up and enjoy the surrounds of the library bar and take a little walk in the gardens and whatnot. Up and then come hill. up here for WTS 100. Exactly. WTS100.eventbrite.ie. There's literally only 40-odd tickets left at the time of recording. This is a few days before it goes out, though, so that could be, they could be all gone. Could be a couple gone, or it could still be 40 hours. Payday's coming, so people are exactly, getting only 12 say, euro. 12 euro, lads, and every penny we raise is going directly to the brilliant suicide or survive. Actually, going directly to Keith's uh, workshops that he does in the local community. Exactly, so um, great, great outlet for people, and um, we'd strongly encourage people to get involved. Even if you can't make it on, to the, on the night, go to Suicide mm-hmm. or Survive's page, and uh, you can donate to them directly through there but um, we're going to have Al Foran on the night we're going to have Paul Howard on the night Ashling Daly's going to be there Caroline Caroline McGuigan herself old suicide survive and um, we're going to have a raffle slash auction with sports memorabilia great prizes all that kind of crack try and get a manly voucher (laughs) George Manly voucher (laughs) for a spice bag we've given enough plugs in this podcast over the years so like but anyway chapter 100 um, will be coming up May 18th Make sure you're there. It's going to be crack. And, yeah, look, look, it's all about community. And the amount of people from the community sport is unreal. So, 
Um, really looking forward Thanks to it. Thanks to the Natural Kitchen for supporting it as well. And I was going to say, the Natural Kitchen of Dunleary have uh, kindly supported us as well for the night. So uh, make sure to pop down to them as well. Healthy body, healthy mind, lads. <laughs> the food they do sets you right. Is that, I don't know if they have a tagline or not, but there no, you go. You've just made it. You can have that. Yeah. You can have that. Um, make it, we've got all 90 whatever other chapters as well on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Podbean, Podcast Republic, Podcast Addict, anywhere and everywhere, WTS Pod. You can download the old ones if you haven't listened. And um, even if you have listened back to the old ones, they're great crack. Merno's at Merrigan Mania. I'm at Dan Joe Murray. The podcast is at WTS Pod on Twitter, facebook.com forward slash WTS Pod Ireland, or go to WTSPod.com. And you can learn more about us and everything that we get up to. And great crack all together, so it is now. I've just rattled <laughs> Any off. Any rats there? I've just rattled off for a couple of minutes now. My brain's gone, that's it. That's it. But anyway, um, Rory, thank you so much Thanks for coming Thanks so much for your time. Pleasure, lads. Thanks very hope much. Hope you get to Papua New Guinea. Yeah, uh, I hope so. <laughs> It'll be some crack. <laughs> <laughs> if I come home with all this. Thing, <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Until next week, mate. Clear eyes. Full hearts. Can't lose. Too sweet.